0: Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve a lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart.
1: Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone. We are back on the air with It's All About the Questions, which is me, Um, This is my favorite time of the week, as you know. I'm really excited to be here, and my guest is already laughing. And that's the tone of the show for the entire hour. I get to talk to the the one person in the world that no matter what mood I'm in, if I get an email from him, it completely shifts me. (laughs) Just reading his words completely change my state of being. And today we're going to be talking about what happens when a cellist and a sniper get together. In my view, life-altering magic. And I'm going to do another Harry Potter um, comparison in just a moment, but I want to welcome every welcome John David Mann to the show. John, welcome back!
0: Good morning, Laura. Thank you so much for having me here.
1: It, it's, you know, I've already said it. It's such a joy to have you back on the show. And you and Brandon Webb have a new book out, and I interviewed Brandon last week. And today's launch day, isn't it, for the book?
0: Today's the day. Yep. Okay. On the shelves.
1: So the book is Total Focus, How to Make Better Decisions Under Pressure. Or as you like to sometimes call it, Seven Deadly Habits of Highly Successful People.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> highly highly deadly entrepreneurs. Exactly. Highly
1: deadly entrepreneurs. Exactly. And that's in a good way how how yes. focused and everything that they are. Now, you are a professionally chained uh, trained cellist. You come from a family of classical musicians and teachers. Brandon's a Navy SEAL sniper. He he trained snipers to be snipers. Um, you know, you guys are like from two different planets. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'll say. Um, my father fought in World War II. He was actually raised in Germany. He escaped Germany during the war, got here, naturalized, got drafted in the U.S. Army, shipped back to Germany as a counterintelligence agent. <laughs> and in Germany, he uh, he had to go behind enemy lines, and so he quietly gave away all his ammunition to local citizens so that his guns would be lighter because he couldn't stand the idea of, of actually firing a gun. That's my military background.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yet, when you when you're writing this book, and you've written, this one happens to be a business focused book using the principles that Brandon learned in in the SEALs and all the work that he did running what's now uh, valued at a $100 million company. You yourself are an amazing entrepreneur, multiple businesses. You started your own school when you were just a kid. Yes. (laughs) But, (laughs) you know, the last book you guys wrote was called The Killing School, and that one blew my mind, but I just want to read this. So this is the opening lines of Total Focus. Staring through my scope at the man in my crosshairs, I take a slow breath. An Afghan farmer. An Afghan farmer with a rifle slung casually over his shoulder. A farmer who looks a lot like someone trying not to look like someone who's up to something he shouldn't be. I feel the pressure of my finger against the metal trigger. Feel that pressure slowly increase. How do you write that never having been in war? I mean, you are a co-writer on some of the books that I consider mm-hmm. the must-own books in the world. How do you do that?
0: Yeah, you know, I have never acted in front of a camera. I've never been in, you know, movies or TV, but I, I suspect it's a lot like that. Um, to To write Brandon's memoir, The Red Circle, our first book, which is really his whole life story, and the second book, Among Heroes. It's another memoir of heroes he's known. The Killing School, as you mentioned, which got some of the most, you know, gritty, pulse-pounding action situations that I've certainly ever, ever written, some that I've ever even read, really. Uh, and I've never been in a situation. It's like, here's the thing. We're all human beings. My fundamental starting place is we're all human beings. We all fundamentally have the same experience, even though the trappings and the circumstance may be radically different. There's a way to kind of snake the roots underground and, and reach that other tree on the far field, even if it looks totally different. And it, it's, I think it's, in a word, empathy. It's, uh, you know, a writer's skill is the same as an actor's skill, which, weirdly enough, as one guy in the killing school said, is the sniper's skill. Uh, Of empathy, because the sniper, first and foremost, is an intelligent asset, intelligence asset, whose job is to reconnoiter, to to observe, and to see what nobody else sees and understand it. That was a long answer.
1: No, that was was a great answer, Um, which leads me to all these different thought processes that I have. You know that I called uh, Brandon Harry Potter. (laughs) on on my interview with The Killing School because Harry Potter is essentially a sniper. We don't look at it that way, but he does because of what you just said. It's all that intelligence gathering. It's all of those other pieces. The last thing is that moment when you pull the trigger or, in Harry Potter's case, use the wand to to save people. I don't know. You've probably not thought of this, but I consider you Albus Dumbledore. The, the head of, of Hogwarts, and, and here's why. I don't know if you know this little little fact. Um, the author of this book, J.K. Rowling, she chose the name Dumbledore because of Dumbledore's love of music. She imagined him walking around humming to himself a lot. And he's like a bumblebee because the word Dumbledore comes from early modern English word for bumblebee.
0: Oh, Fantastic.
1: Right. So you're the wordmeister. Right. But bumblebees fertilize things. They get pieces from here and there and then they pull it all together. They make amazing honey. Right. They work as a team and they create because of that flowers that grow and and make the world a better place. So you're Albus Dumbledore to Brandon's Harry Potter.
0: I love it. I'll call that bet and raise you five. You know, Mary Kay used to say the bumblebee flies because it doesn't realize that it's impossible, that it can't do it according to the laws of physics. That's pretty much a description of my career. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I would agree I'll, with that. <laughs> I'll take Dumbledore. The Dumbledore is fine. Yeah. You know, it's funny that the... the um, you would think, going back to your first question, you know, so cellist, classical music, sniper, military, daredevil. Brandon is, is a physical daredevil, not, you know, not, as, not as much as some of his friends who are no longer with us for that reason. But he is a, a physical phenomenon. He's, he's a font of energy. He is, he is incredibly on the go. He has more energy than anybody I've ever known. I am not a physical daredevil, and we're in many ways opposites, and certainly our background is opposites. But when we first met, uh, and it was an electric moment in my life and in my career, we had an instant bond. I mean, we just clicked—the classic click. (laughs) That was that was us, and we've you know we're we're working on our on our. Fifth book now together.
1: So. Total Focus is the fifth book you guys did together, or is there another uh, one coming up?
0: Focus is fourth. We're working on number five as we speak.
1: Okay, great. I, I've read, I know I've read all the other ones. Yep. <laughs> so, all right, so you're yeah. you're sitting down to write a book like this. You have to get involved in the world, so to speak, yet stay outside the world of the person yeah. that you're writing for. And you don't just write one book at a time. You've got other projects going with other people. What? How do you get yourself? Now, the title of this book is Total Focus, right? How do you help yourself get that total focus?
0: You know, <clears throat> I sort of have two answers to that. But um, the the first is, you know, writing. It's taken me a long time to kind of work out, figure out how I operate. And if you read interviews with writers, it's one of the things that fascinates me about, about doing that you know, is how diverse they are in terms of their routines, what works for them. Some writers have to be alone in a quiet room. Some writers have to be surrounded by, by music. Some writers, there are writers uh, who ha- have said that they the, they can only write if they're sitting in a busy coffee shop with noise all around them. There are writers who have to write first thing in the morning, writers who have to write last thing at night, there are writers who outline, who can't live without an outline, writers who could never abide an outline, who start from the, the first word and then just go from there. John Irving, the novelist, starts with the last sentence of the book and kind of works his story backwards from there. I mean, it's almost bizarre. It's like a menagerie a zoo. So it took me years to, to figure out how I operate, and I think that is something that's applicable to people in any field. Um, to figure, figuring out how you operate, because for those years when I didn't really know how I operate, uh, I would kind of beat myself up uh, because I would be struggling. I would be trying to figure out how to start, and I would be saying, oh, you have no idea what to do, and I don't know how to get into this book, and this is beyond me, and I can't. Uh, you know, lack of understanding of how I operate, would, would that, that vacuum would be filled by... You know, self recrimination and self castigation and self doubts and all of that. So it's taken me a while to figure out, you know, how I work, uh, which is to sit down on a chair with a pad of blank paper, cup of hot tea, and a pen, and a ton of research behind me. Uh, I, I've I've interviewed Brandon for you know for a dozen phone calls, or I've transcribed speeches, or I've, in the case of other writers like Bob Berg, I've read his blog posts, I've read his other books. Whatever I can do to just gather background, it may not be the content of what we're going to write, but it's background. It's kind of, I get to steep myself in who that person is. I guess like what an actor might do to prepare to play a character. And then I'll just sit down and relax and have no thought in my head and say, okay, let's just see where it goes. Um, For me, the total focus is kind of weird, comes from sort of a total non focus I have to just sit down and and not try to write a book <laughs> that's how that's how it starts um, but the other answer I wanted to give is the first principle in the book the book is based on seven principles, and number one is front sight focus. It's this thing of, of a sniper being completely focused on what's in that little circle through their scope, and, and like nothing else in the world exists. Their entire being, breath, and, and, and muscle energy is all focused on that little circle. And in business, that translates into, into understanding what's primary, what's pivotal, what's essential, what's important right now, and forgetting everything else. So chapter two, the second principle Is the opposite. It's total situational awareness, which means being aware of everything else. It's this weird paradox, contradiction.
1: And that contradiction Um, is the perfect way to go into the commercial break. When we come back we're going to talk more with John David Mann, author of Total Focus, How to Make Better Decisions Under Pressure. John, you were talking about the first two principles in total focus. Front sight focus with total situational awareness and how they seem to be on such opposite ends of the spectrum. When Brandon and I spoke last week, that really hit me along with the third principle which I, I just love it, embrace the suck. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Cuz it just it's so right there in your in your face. When you're writing, how are, how do you apply that those first three principles?
0: Uh, the third is the easiest, so I'll save it for last. <laughs> Embrace the suck. Um, the first two are really curious. I mean, it's, it's, it's actually uh, it's one of the things that, of course, for this book, uh, you know, part of my job is to take his experience and translate that to the page, which also means taking his experience and kind of synthesizing it into the form and structure of, of a book. So part of that job is to come up with these you know, seven principles. It wasn't like Brandon said, hey, let's sit down and talk about these seven principles. You, know, you have to extract that. I imagine that someone did the same thing with Stephen Covey way back when. Um, so I, I, part of the, maybe the, the most fun I had with this book was, was extracting and formulating these seven principles. And I love the first two because they're contradictory and because that's the nature of a highly skilled professional in any profession. Um, So with a sniper, it's like, yes, you focus completely on what you're looking at through the scope. You're not necessarily going to shoot it. Most of the time, looking through the scope is just reconnaissance. Um, So what you're really doing is intelligence gathering, totally focused. But there's some part of you, some part of the back of your brain is on at least amber heart, is highly attuned to everything else going on all in your periphery. I think that may be the single defining trait, there are others, but this is probably the single top defining trait for me that distinguishes a special operations uh, warrior from, from, you know, just the average person walking around the street. You walk down the street, it's amazing how unaware people are of what's going on around. They're looking at their iPhones, they're just staring at the sky, they're thinking their thoughts and if if a crime suddenly broke out or a terrorist event suddenly broke out, or somebody suddenly got hit by a bike or a car or whatever, people are so slow to react because they're not situationally aware. Um, and we talk about that a good deal in the book. In business, that's critical, because yes, you have to be completely focused on like who is your customer, what is your product? What is your objective? What is your mission? You know the the mission critical particulars of what you're doing in your business. I haven't got to writing yet. I know. Um, at the same time, if you're in business and you think, well, I don't need to. If you're in the the you know the transportation business and you think, well, I don't need to worry about what's going on in the media. Or I don't need to worry about what's going on in in packaging or in 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 uh, IT or whatever. You're kidding yourself because sooner or later completely unrelated businesses are suddenly going to cross your path, possibly in a critical way. You know, that's why Blockbuster got taken over by Netflix. That's why it was Amazon who created the online bookstore, not the existing publishers or bookstores. That's why it's only some upstart from outside an established industry who comes in and dominates just exactly as Brandon's doing right now with his media company, because they're situationally aware. Um, And so that's, that was, for me, actually, that was my favorite lesson in the book, if I had to pick one out of the seven. Well, I, writer, I can give
1: you a real-life, oh, yeah. right from today, example of that front-sight focus and total situational awareness. Yeah. I was having a bad morning this morning, and <clears throat> I had to get to the radio station, and I get my mom out to the car. I pull the car out of the garage, and I go to get out of the car so I can get take care of her walker and get her all situated, So I'm focused, right? I am (coughs) frontside focused on, I'm interviewing John today. Here's where my world, my head needs to be. But I also needed to be totally situationally aware of my mom and all the other pieces. Well, as I'm getting out of the car, I do what I normally do, which is kind of do a scope of the yard peripherally, right? I'm not, my peripheral vision is kind of looking at, and I noticed something strange on my driveway. And I'm like, huh, what is that? And it made me stop. And I'm like, do I need to look at this? And I went, yeah, I kind of do. It was a $20 folded-up bill. <laughs> it had blew it, blown into my yard. In that particular case, it was perfect. I ha- and and I, it shifted my mood completely, and I, I got mom into the car, and then we went off to the show, and here we are. But because I opened my focus a little bit from that moment and said, okay, I need to be aware of everything else around me, I got all this abundance. It didn't shift my main focus, which was get to the radio station, but it was worth being aware of, right? So well, and,
0: and sometimes your focus actually needs to get pulled out, get shifted, because sometimes your focus is, it turns out it's wrong. I mean, in 2004, I was completely focused on my career, which was I was going to be a Hollywood screenwriter. That's what I was doing. I'd been preparing for it for years. I had read the books. I'd been out there and visited, I've gone to conferences. I'd written some screenplays. That was my career plan. Bob Berg ruined my career. <laughs> I, and there was this guy that I knew who said, hey, I'd like you to write this book with me. And I was, it was like a distraction. It was, it was an annoyance. It's like, man, I don't even have time to even think about that. But I'm glad that I did and took a look at it because that's, you know, that gave me a, uh, an entirely new career. You know, That book became The Go-Giver, and that's how I got where I am. The same thing happened with Brandon. I mean, my agent called me one day and said, you know, I've got this book idea from this guy. I don't think you do this, military books, but I just thought I should give you a call. And I, I like instantly said, oh, my God, yes, I'm doing it. I don't want to do it. I have to do it. And uh, if I had been focused on what I was doing in my career to the exclusion of, of what unlikely gifts the universe might bring my way, then I'd, I'd, you know, I I wouldn't be in as good a place as I am. So
1: it was a happy accident, but not really, because you built yourself to that. I mean, you were an editor at a major publishing house. I mean, it wasn't like you had no experience in this world. You helped people make their books better for years. Right, right. And, and your love of words was always there It's just implemented differently and, and you've had a really interesting Kind of bringing it all back together That you guys talk about it in this book And you've mentioned on your blog By the way, John's blog is JohnDavidMann.com Mann, Highly recommend you subscribe to it um, About an incident with Mark Harmon And you may end up getting involved with TV And screenwriting
0: yeah. yeah. Hey, from your lips to God's ears, right? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I love that idea.
1: <laughs> and Brandon talked about his meeting with Mark Harmon last week on on the show as well. But it so what I'm hearing is it can come full circle, but you have Absol- to be oh, you have to be present in the moment and do some sort of evaluation, correct? And you do that when you're writing, when you're planning things out.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and it, and, it, and it's also that sometimes – and part of that, I think, is that sometimes the most critical opportunities or, or even just most critical pieces of information, most critical clues are going to come at you from the side, are, are, are not going to come at you from where you expect or intend to get them. And that's difficult. That's challenging because it means you kind of have to hold two opposite things in your hands at the same time. You know, going back to being a writer – I'll sit down with a, with a, with a plan, and I, I do outline. I'm an outline guy, so I guess I'll sit with a blank pad of paper. Once I get some initial you know, impulses and ideas and sparks and shoots, uh, I'll go and start you know shaping an outline. But if the balance between having an outline, which is like a plan, following it, but at the same time, being open to uh, suddenly discovering that you have to throw it out, that, it's, that, that, you, that the story is, is shaping itself. It's emerging in a way that completely violates the outline and goes in a different direction. And you have to be, you have to gauge whether that's, it's kind of like, am I going to swing my rifle suddenly over to the left? Or am I going to ignore what's, what's buzzing at me on the left and keep it pointed out front?
1: And you know what, you what we're going to do with that? We're, we're going go to go into the national left. news break. That is so hey. perfect. So keep your eye on the ball, everybody. Tweet out your favorite quote so far from today's show. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone. If you're just joining us live on the on the air and you're driving your car or in your house somewhere or listening or you've got your phone on iHeartRadio, we are here with John David Mann, one of my favorite authors, He's the co-author of The Go-Giver with Bob Berg, The Red Circle with Brandon Webb, um, The Slight Edge with Jeff Olson. Um, the the list goes on and on and on and on. Uh, Take the lead with Betsy Myers and his current book, Total Focus, How to Make Better Decisions Under Pressure. And then The Killing School, which, you know, I talked about that a few, uh, about a month or so ago. John, when when you're writing a book like this, do you think about the impact your words are going to have on people going forward and how it changes their lives by reading the words?
0: You know, I don't think about it when I'm writing the words. I mean, at the moment, um, what 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 I'm in when I'm writing the words is the impact it's having on me. You know the person that I people always say you have to know who you're writing for. Well, I'm writing for me, really. It's like because I'm reading this as I go, and if if uh, I'm working on a passage and and I find tears in my eyes, then that's how it moved me. If it gets me excited, if I can't sit down, if I have to stand up because I'm so electrified at some scene, that's how it's hitting me. When I step away from it, um, then yeah, I'm I'm very aware or I'm trying to be very aware of of how it's going to land for other people. Because, you know, when I got into writing and as I got into it, what, what drew me here as you alluded to earlier is my love of words. I mean, I love words, individual words, even the letters. (laughs) And of course I love how they go together and what they do, what you can do with them. I think words are just the most magnificent human invention. Um, So that's kind of what drew me here. And as you point out, I started out as a classical musician. I mean, to me, writing is music, and I I have a very composer. I was a composer. That's what was my first career. And so I, I look at a book as a composition. It has an arc. It has a form to it. All of that's what drew me here. But what feeds me and what keeps me here and what charges me up is the impact on other people. Um, uh you know, you just said a few things to, to me today about the impact this book has had on you and The Killing School as well, um, and even a blog post I wrote, you know, some years back. That is is what, that's what I do it for. I mean, it's there's, I, I know of no feeling more exciting and more fulfilling than hearing someone say, hey, man, you put these words in a sentence, and it, it had a, it, an impact on my life. It changed my life, even in some small way. I just, I love that.
1: When I read the Go Giver for the first time cuz I've read it many times and given it away and and all of the other books in the Go Giver series it I I read it and I went, "Oh my god, somebody put into the words exactly how I've always felt and believed."
0: <laughs> but that's, that's great. But
1: you put it in words, you and Bob, that was like, "Oh my gosh, they get me." <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love it. I'm
1: not a weirdo out there. They get me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. I hear that that sentiment a lot more than the opposite, you know, where someone comes and say, wow, I never would have thought of this before. This is a totally unique thing. It really shifted my thinking. I don't get that a lot. It's more like what you just said. That put into words kind of what I always thought, and that's really satisfying because that's, you know, that's, it's like, let's face it, there's no new ideas in the universe. Everything that could be thought has been, has been thought in one form or another. So it isn't like coming up with a radical, revolutionary new thought, but maybe a, a, a new way of expressing something with a twist to it or a counterintuitive, uh, you know, shape to it that makes you go, huh, so that is true. Okay, right. Yeah, I love that.
1: I met Les Brown the same day I met you, and... Oh. Les said something at at Bob's big event, and he said that two voices can say the exact same thing, but at one point you're ready to hear that person's voice over the other person's voice. You could have heard those same things from 10 different people, but that one other person may have said it slightly different in a way that you're ready to hear and that's what helps transform. And yes. that's the beauty for me of the most the two books that you guys have just written together, Total Focus, How to Make Better Decisions Under Pressure, and The Killing School. It's not that I, I didn't know about front sight focus and total situational awareness and embraces suck. I was ready to hear it, and I was ready to hear it in the way you wrote it which is a, and you probably heard my cell phone, I had forgotten to mute, playing the Cantina song from Star Wars. Yes, it's my ringtone. I'm a geek. Um, so what, okay, how do, I, how do I put this? When you were putting together the words for, for the principles, how did you, or did you even just say, whatever it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be, those words didn't come together by accident.
0: You mean the seven principles themselves? You mean all
1: the words in the book? Well, I guess all the words in the book, but your process is such that the way you put those words together is uniquely you, but uniquely the other person.
0: Oh yeah, that's an interesting thing um, you know so there are two two different kinds of books that i do there's a book in which two of us collaborate on creating sort of a third thing or let me let me back off say it differently there's books in which i'm I'm doing somebody else's story so really I, it's like playing playing a role in a film like i'm i'm going to be uh, uh you know i'm going to go play Gandhi in this film then there's books in which my co-author and I will collaborate and conspire to create something which is an altogether the third thing. Like the go-giver isn't Bob's voice or my voice, it's some other thing. Um, but but this, the um, the you know, the Brandon books, because they're all told sort of in first person in Brandon's voice, they're me stepping into Brandon's skin and being Brandon, but there's almost a bunch of bunch of me in there too. Um, and that couldn't happen if I didn't fundamentally really click with him. If I didn't really like him and get along with him, if we weren't good, keep in mind we're not only co-authors but business partners. Because this is really a every book is a business, and it isn't just a business for the few months you write it. It's a business for years. We are lockstep business partners. Make no mistake. Um, And what you're describing, sort of the the fluidity of the words and how that all comes together, it's me writing Brandon. I couldn't work if we weren't if we weren't a partnership. If we, didn't, if we weren't, you know, clicked. Um, and and there have been a lot of books that I started or were entertaining the idea of doing that I ended up not doing because I didn't have that click. It's just got, got to be there.
1: You, you say that it's, you're in business together. Now, yes. how do, define how that business relationship works. I know about the clicking. There's yeah. a lot of authors that listen to my show, a lot of business people, from the C-suite down to entrepreneurs just starting their businesses. When right. you're entering into a business relationship like this, how do you define that? Or don't you?
0: So, yeah, no, I, I really do. And so it, it's like this, and it may not be this way for other writers. Um, the first thing is, for me, every book is two things. It's a book, that is, it's a window through which I hope to pour some words and touch some people's lives. And it's, it, that's a form of creative expression. I've published over two dozen books in the last decade plus, and in my view, every one of them is a blazing success as a book in terms of reaching people, having his having readers come back and say, wow, that really – every book is also a business, though. It's also a business, and of the two dozen plus books I've written, most of them have been failures as businesses, honestly. No, Very few or a handful have been real successes as a business. It is as if you were a great cook and your friends said you should start a restaurant. And so you open the restaurant and your friends love it and the food is great. You get good reviews and two years later it closes. You're a great cook, but it wasn't a success as a business. So for a book to be a success as a business, it has to pay. It has to return its investment and keep paying you. After it's out, <laughs> it has to be that successful. So, the way I work as a, as a co author, in some cases, ghostwriter, partner writer, whatever term you want to use, is I just go 50 50. We split it down the middle. It's a 50 50 partnership. We are co founders of a little business. In most cases, we take on a partner, an investor, whom we call a publisher. And the publisher invests some money and some production and some promotion. But uh, it's our business, and it has, to, you know, it has to pay back the publisher's investment, and then it has to pay us. And so how we operate typically is I write the book, the other guy markets the book. Um, certainly true with Brandon and me, with Bob Berg and me. But it's a fuzzy line because I also promote, and they also, of course, participate very much. In the writing, Brandon's an excellent writer, as is Bob Berg. So it isn't like I write in total isolation without them. Not at all. They, they, you know, they participate in my writing, and I participate in the in the marketing. But we have our areas of expertise, and we mostly stick to them.
1: Do you have an editor outside of yourself?
0: Uh, That's part of what the what our investor slash publisher brings to the party. So the publisher will bring will bring all those resources. Um, you you have to have an editor. Uh, a person who has who is his own editor is like the man who is his own surgeon. Not a good plan.
1: <laughs> that reminds me of the the scene from Wolverine when he's got that thing in his body and he's got to take it out and he's trying to stick the knife in and he goes wait but I'm going to die during this so I can't do it so he had to have somebody else finally do the last incision to take it out.
0: <laughs> yeah. That last incision. That's, that's, I, I, as a writer, I identify with that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so the editor is like that last incision, the one that
0: oh, keeps it all yeah. keeps
1: it all together and, and makes sure and that you come off the table hurt. alive.
0: <laughs> all the cliches you've heard too are absolutely true. You know, having to have to murder your darlings or whatever it was. It's true that you really have you have writing on the page that you just think is brilliant. It's like, oh, this is like the best passage, and that that has to go. It's like no, that's not good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it happened. Uh, I, you know, I couldn't have written my book without my amazing editor, Jocelyn Godfrey, and, and Linda Sterling, who also helped edit as well. And I quote mm. you in in my book, "What would a wise woman do?" But you know that because you you've kindly read my book. We're gonna. I come, certainly did. We're gonna come back and go into um, our last commercial break, and then in our last segment, I can't believe the show is almost over already. And I'm gonna ask you this question when we come back, John. So you're, you're ready? I'm gonna give you a little. No, I'm not going to give you any advance warning of this question I'm about to ask you.
0: Oh, good. <laughs> Life on the edge. I love it.
1: <laughs> we'll be right back with more from the amazing John David Mann. All right, John, are you ready for the question? Mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm.
1: What, what is your favorite word?
0: <laughs> My favorite word. Wow. I just said, wow, didn't I? I've never been asked that question.
1: Yay, I love it when I ask you stuff nobody else asks you.
0: <laughs> I mean, last week somebody asked me my favorite quote. Yes, yeah, you know, because I, I blogged about it. Uh, I guess my favorite word, you know, I use the word "extraordinary" a lot, so I must like it. But there are other words I like more: yeah. supercilious, magnificent, platypus. Um, uh, I, I guess, I guess, my favorite word is yes. Oh, why? Because that's that is what I've found really works. Uh, there, there's, and this may sound corny, but sometimes corny is corny because it's real. Uh, you know, there, there's, there's two ways to approach a day, a situation, a blank page, a challenge, a job, an opportunity, a task, a problem. One is no and one is yes. My mom, who was a school teacher used to say that she would hand out a test paper and she always was amused by the kids who would look at the, who would, who would look at the back of the paper, turned upside down and say, I don't get it, before they even looked at the paper. Or they would look at the paper and find the one question they didn't understand and say, I don't get it, instead of 19 questions they did understand and (laughs) just start to work on those. Um, I approach my life with an attitude of yes, which is that I fundamentally have faith that this is going to work for the best of all involved. And I have to have that attitude going into writing or else it seems impossible. And if it seems impossible, then I can't do it. so I guess my favorite word is, would be yes, wait, see. I, I like
1: that, but I also liked platypus.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm supercilious and magnificent. <laughs> yeah, so many great words, so many great words.
1: Yeah, but, you know, it, what's fascinating about yes being your favorite word is it's everything I know about you. It, it's not just a word, but it's who you are. I never thought of it before until you told me what your favorite word is. But it suits you. It's, it's who you are as a human being on the planet. It's how
0: you live. Well, Laura, I never thought about it until you asked me the question. My God, woman, thank you. <laughs> what, what would a wise woman ask?
1: <laughs> and it's funny because I was <laughs> thinking, like, what, what's my favorite word? And I've always gone said when somebody asked me that before, I, I'd say quag. Because... Quag. Quag. It's a type of clam, and it's a town on Long Island in New York. Yeah. Just because every time I see the sign when I was going out to Long Island, out to wherever I was going, it made me smile and it made me laugh. And just saying the word... So that's pronounced
0: quahog. Yeah, Yeah. quahog.
1: (laughs) But I always pronounced it as quag. Right. But as you were saying the word yes, the word that popped into my mind, the true word for me is joy.
0: Mm. Mm. That's fantastic. You know CS Lewis wrote this book called Surprised by Joy and oddly enough, it was years later that that's, that this woman named Joy Adamson came into his life whom he ultimately married. So, talk about a fulfilling prophecy. Self-fulfilling prophecy.
1: Goosebumps all over me when you just said that. <laughs> all right. What so what's next for you? You've got this book out, well, two books in the last month. Um, yep. I happen to know there's another book coming up, but I'll let you share, share that. What, what's next?
0: Well, I mean, I've got, Bob Berg and I have a new go book coming out next year. We are, it's already written. Brandon and I are working on a book right now also, um, which will be coming out next year, which is going to be called Mastering Fear. We're going to have fun talking about that. Um, but I have, I think you're probably hinting at this, I have a book coming out this fall, called The Recipe, and it's a, it's a little different for me. It's a book that I co-wrote with an, an award-winning chef, and it's a story of um, love and tragedy and overcoming. And fundamentally, it's about learning lessons of greatness, lessons of life in a cramped diner kitchen. So it's, it's food and personal growth is uh, putting my great loves in this, on the same page.
1: And I'm going to get to interview you again over that. That book
0: oh yeah, and oh, I kn- yeah
1: I know that book's been what eight years in the making or something like that uh,
0: yes eight years in the making uh, it's's been, it's been a slow roast uh, and uh, we're really really excited this is gonna be as you know a different one because we're publishing this one ourselves whole new ball game for me
1: and you've self published some books before but
0: you know, I've self-published a few books, but I had, I really, they were like little labors of love that I never really had much intention to get out broadly. So I didn't really market them, didn't promote them, had no serious expectations for them in terms of numbers. They weren't even business launches. They were, you know, something I wanted to have available for people who wanted it. This is different. This is a real book. This is a book that I, I, I mean to be a successful book. And that, you know, that I've never done. I've never tried to take a book to the marketplace. To compete with you know other books that are real books, Um, and done it all myself. That's that's going to be a whole a whole new experience.
1: And if somebody wants to get involved to help with the launch, how do they go about doing that?
0: Uh, We have this thing called the launch team. Advanced readers who are reading a review copy of the book with errors and typos and all before it comes out, and helping us to launch the book. And uh, you can see details of that on my website johndavidman.com if you go to the book page and look for the recipe
1: so people can jo- still join the launch team and get involved
0: the launch team is open to the end of august and to join that you simply email me with your email address and the word launch and you can email me through my website and uh, from now through the end of august at that point we've got to, we've got to cut it off because we have to cut it off at some point
1: all right so if you don't get involved on the launch team for the next book the recipe that doesn't mean you still can't support the launch. So we'll, we'll be talking about that. But this current book, John, Total Focus, How to Make Better Decisions Under Pressure, where can people get that book?
0: That book is everywhere. Amazon, BN, Kobo, iTunes, iBooks, you name it. It's at the bookstores. Today is the launch day, so it's uh, actually hitting the shelves for the first time. And Brandon is out in a book tour, and he's on the media in New York. And uh, you don't have to look far. Um, but it is certainly on Amazon as well
1: i have i received an advanced copy of the book well before it came out so I could prep for these interviews and I bought a copy of the book today because it's something that everybody you know I just wanted to support you guys so much and then I can put a review up and say Amazon verified
0: <laughs> purchase Laura you are a you are a true champion. you know what that you know what that does for me? Well, it gives me joy. joy.
1: Ah, thank you so much. So last, last <laughs> thought you want to share with our, my listeners?
0: The last thought I want I to share is um, the most successful people have gone through some of the thorniest, most difficult, and most unexpected uh, uh, murky depths. It's always my, it my favorite part of this book, actually. We get to chronicle... Brandon's struggle even halfway through his business. So look beneath the cover of every book of success, and look to the struggle, and and that's that's where the I think the greatest lessons are.
1: Yeah, on your blog you've shared some of your own personal struggles, and yeah, um, and Brandon shares it in each of these books, including how he was had so much hate against him when he started stepping out, writing, doing the Red Circle, and Amongst Heroes, and some and still. Yeah, and still, yeah. and it's just mm-hmm. really sad. Mark Harmon's advice to him was so beautiful, though, and people will have to listen to last week's episode to hear about that advice.
0: Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, beautiful
1: stuff. So, so beautiful. So, John, you've written so many books. You've changed so many people's lives, in- including myself, and just as a book geek, I want to thank you for your words <sighs> and how you put oh, them together. You. Because my life's thank changed you. since I met you, and it's, it's a beautiful thing to be able to thank somebody in person for changing the way they think.
0: Well, I appreciate that immensely. Thank you, Laura. And, you know, problems come and go, but words endure, so yay.
1: I love that. Words endure. <laughs> That's a perfect way to end the show today. Thank you for being my guest.
0: Thank
1: you for being my host. Awesome. All right. So everybody, remember the right questions truly can change your life. So think about what are you asking yourself today? Have a great day, everyone. And go out and buy Total Focus, how to make better decisions under pressure. See you soon.
0: You've been listening to It's All About the Questions, starring Laura Stewart. Connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today.